Believe me when I say the earth is flat, I'm a shape-shifting lizard, and the pizza place you love eating at is actually part of an international pedophile ring. Welcome, mere mortals, to another book review. I hope I didn't fool you with my tall tales there, although I doubt I did. And so the reason for that, we're going to find out in this book here. Not Born Yesterday by Hugo Mercier with the subtitle, The Science of Who We Trust and What We Believe. This book was published in 2020 and it's Hugo's argument against the perceived notion that humans are gullible. And I want to jump right to the conclusion of his book because he states exactly what he was trying to do. This book is a long argument against the idea that humans are gullible, that they are wired not to seek truth and overly deferential to authority, and that they cower before uniform opinion. These are all some notions we probably come across at one point or another in our lives, whether it be through scientific studies, such as the Milgram shock experiment, where an unwilling participant would be goaded, prompted on to continually shocking another actor into perceived unconsciousness whether it be the Nazis and how good their propaganda was in terming normal Germans into these rabid fanatics. All of these sorts of notions he looks at and investigates in this book. If we're talking about gullibility, then we're also talking about communication. So a large portion of the book centers around communication, how we do it, why it's used, what are the mechanisms that we actually use for it, trust, belief, all of these sort of things, all bunched up into one topic, which he'll then break down into separate sections. Some of the points that he addresses in this book are fake news, why there's this preponderance nowadays of fake news through the social media channels, false rumors, how much do we actually believe in conspiracy theories, of con men, do they do a perfect job of fooling us completely, of politics, do politicians actually lie all the time, what is it that they're communicating in their style, and of the madness of crowds, this idea that crowds are super violent and all of these things he addresses and says whatever your perception of this right now might not be the actual truth of it it might be a distortion there might be a particular reason for this particular event or it could be explained in other ways which don't give credit to the notion that humans are completely gullible. The structure of his arguments follow a twofold method of attack and defense. He'll show why communication is actually open and we do receive lots in, but still manage to keep out most of the bullshit. And he'll do this through scientific studies, through looking at evolutionary theory and how this promotes his, his view, his argument. And then also debunking some of the pop culture myths, some of the things that are occurring nowadays and then have also occurred in the past. The first theme or concept that he really creates in the book is open vigilance mechanisms. And this is accepting the good and rejecting the bad. So he starts off with a simple question, why don't we abuse communication? Why aren't we lying all the time to everyone at any point? Why aren't I tricking you and telling you to go over there? I steal your resources and then run off. And he says, no, communication only really works if there's a payoff for the receiver of the information so they're learning something new but also that the sender receives something he uses a bit of an evolutionary arms race analogy so he'll talk about certain animals which show their fitness by doing a certain thing and that the predators it's best in their interest to believe that they're telling the truth that they are a fit animal that can escape 
and should go off and search for other animals which maybe are easier to kill. As also using a little bit of game theory. So why isn't it that if we all are telling the truth that someone just doesn't come in and spread some lies and then using a game theory saying, well, that person should then win all the time. So he says we develop these mechanisms, these open vigilance mechanisms, which are basically cognitive systems which we use to evaluate cues of who is telling the truth, who is lying, and what's really happening in the world, what is the truth. These need to be both open so that we accept information coming in that's truthful and helpful, but then also being closed off to certain types which we believe are false and negative and harmful. Okay, like what? Give me some examples. So he shows babies are actually pretty discerning and when communication is coming in in the form of verbal communication, but Obviously, physical communication is just as important in the context of, of interacting with another human. He'll show that maybe the babies don't know if someone's necessarily lying, but they can tell when there's mixed messages or when the sender of the information, the adult, doesn't necessarily have great knowledge. So if they're talking about toys, for example, and they're listing off qualities of a toy that doesn't really matter to an individual, to the baby, to a kid, they're not trusting of that person if they then subsequently tell them something else then of another adult who is more trusting, who has this knowledge of a toy and shows that they are capable in this certain realm. Another system is that we actually revert to more of our base beliefs while we're distracted. So if you came up to me, gave me some task, and then I was doing these things and then you started saying stuff into my ear about whatever it is, I'm less trusting of that information than if I'm able to turn to you, give you my full attention and be able to engage my rationality. So that's one of those ones where we immediately sort of shut down and we're not initially believing of something just because I'm distracted, just because I'm doing something else. And we do this all the time with basically everything. It's just, it doesn't really come to the mind at start. So if I said to you, mere mortal book reviews are the best reviews. You're never gonna see a better review anywhere else in the world. You might judge this on a ton of different metrics. You might think, hmm, why would Chiron want to say that about his own thing? Are there some incentives behind that? You'd say, hmm, the book reviews, are they actually meeting the criteria of what a book review, does that even make logical sense? You could also ask, hmm, the sender of this information, does he know anything about books? Has he shown in the past that he knows stuff about books? And there's plenty more things like that which really show, hey, you know what? We're actually quite discerning and we're not just readily accepting everything that someone's giving into us from whatever source because there's so many different sources out there, particularly in this age of social media where you can get the unlimited access of the internet. There's so much stuff out there that we simply can't just believe everything. We have obvious mechanisms that are in place to stop us believing everything. So on the terms of human beings being gullible as a whole, maybe that's not so true. But X, there's a certain thing that shows that humans are super gullible all the time and you really should believe that. And this is where he gets into the more debunking part. So he'll show, no, the crowds aren't really that bloodthirsty. Of all the crowds that have formed during the French Revolution, for example, there was actually very little rioting and death that occurred in them. This is not to say that there's examples elsewhere that show yes, but on a whole, no, they're not super gullible. We're not always involved in the emotion of the crowd to the point of logical just completely shopping out. Another one, Nazi propaganda. They convinced everyone to become Nazis. He was showing that, no, you know what? The propaganda, even though they put a lot of effort into it, even though they maybe 
thought it worked, and this is the same with political campaigns as well, is that it really doesn't add much and convert people. It's more about amplifying the support of those who are already in that position. Okay, but rumors, conspiracy theories, those things are bound. Everyone believes them. Well, once again, it's only a select minority and of this select minority, those are being chosen not because the supply is giving it to them, but because they're demanding it. So rumors and conspiracy theories, I could make up one right now that there's pigs flying outside and that this is due to COVID. Well, that doesn't really make sense and no one's really going to believe that because there's no demand for it. I'm just supplying a random rumor and the random rumors I could supply are basically infinite. I could just create random stories and just chuck them out there. But that's not what starts a conspiracy theory or a rumor. It needs to be from people who are already searching for something to believe and then latch onto it because this is tapping into some of our intuitive beliefs. The earth is flat because if you go outside and look in the horizon, it's bloody flat. If you didn't know better and if you're trying to understand these unintuitive things such as the earth is actually round even though right in front of you the evidence is saying it's flat this is actually quite difficult and so these sort of rumors these conspiracy theories don't come from people just pushing it out there onto it it comes from people looking for answers and finding a certain thing and then latching onto it so we've got all these open vigilance mechanisms that help us sort out the world onto the second theme which is trust and belief who to trust and what to believe. We'll start with belief and it's curious that your actions and even your words don't necessarily imply that you believe something. So let's jump back to crowd behavior again. If all of my friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? That's a common question to be asked. And if you really think about it, the answer should probably be yes, because I know my friends to be pretty rational, pretty sane most of the time. So if they're jumping off a bridge, there's probably a reason to do it. Maybe the bridge is on fire. He uses this example in the book. So even though I'm taking actions and doing something that probably is good for me, doesn't necessarily mean I have to believe it. And this is because to believe something, I think you actually really need to engage your brain, or at least that's what I took from the book. We can take so many actions that don't underlie our true belief. We can say so many things that do this as well. Let's take the Pizzagate conspiracy, for example. So this was when back in the day, a couple of years ago, where there was a rumor mill, a conspiracy theory going around that this one particular pizzeria, Comet Ping Pong, had a international pedophilic sex ring of children being held in their basement. This was spread far and wide on the internet. And you could probably have found tons of people saying, isn't it awful that they're doing these things, yada, yada, yada. But if you really think about it, if you really believe that, would you not take some action to do something about it? And so this one guy who actually did believe it went to the store armed with a gun, actually shot it in the store, I believe, to break a padlock to investigate him for himself. Now you could say, this guy is absolutely out of his mind crazy. And in a certain extent he is, but in another extent, I would say he's more truthful and honest than the vast bulk of people. Because if you really believe there was a pedophilic child sex ring being held in a New York pizzeria, would you not go and try and save that? Is, is there so many out, people out there who just accept pedophilia that, yep, we're going to just lay over and pretend like this doesn't, doesn't matter at all? I could be totally wrong on that. I really hope I'm not. I hope that most people would say, oh, if there's something bad happening next door on the scale of pedophilia, I'm going to go fix it or at least do something about it. However, it probably isn't. It's probably more that there's other reasons people take 
for saying things and doing things. So he goes over this in the book, signaling is one of them, using this as a burning the bridge policy of saying, I'm on your side, I'm willing to say and do these certain things to show that I'm in this group with you. Even though I don't necessarily believe it, I'm gonna do it. Another one, it's fun. I like saying these crazy things and wacky things that can be fun in the conspiracy theory world. Status is another one as well. If you show that I'm this hardcore, I believe this certain thing, I do it in this way, this shows these positive benefits of me, well, yeah, sure, you don't necessarily need to believe that. And we can all see how having status in this world actually does help you. We come to the trust portion of this, and this is where Hugo will maybe make a slight concession, which is it's better to err on the side of being too trusting than not trusting enough. So if you're not trusting, it's just too costly. You miss out on too many advantages, evolutionary speaking, and learning things. So we probably want to err on the side of being too trusting. But this is where he'll also say, but wait, we've got all these ways of telling when we should trust someone. So it's a concession of sorts, but also points right back around and says, but we have all these mechanisms that say, this is why we shouldn't trust this person, this cue, this reputation. Coming back to incentives again, if the car salesman is telling us, this car is beautiful for you, it's done zero kilometers, nothing could be better for you, you might think, hmm, what are his incentives for saying this? Same with an ignorant friend who starts telling you suddenly about this best new laptop or this best new Ponzi scheme that he's got going on. Maybe there's a reason behind that and you should be a little bit wary of that more than then if they were telling you about something you knew they had specified knowledge in, such as my friend Juan, he's very good at the gym. If he started telling me about a certain movement or if I asked him about it, I could probably trust that way more than if he was telling me about the anatomy of a dolphin, for example. We're also extremely good at using reputation. Now this probably for me, I would say works a little bit better in these small closed contexts, personal friends, people I can meet in person rather than on the internet. So there might be a, a way of saying, yeah, humans are super gullible in certain contexts, perhaps communicating through the internet or through social media. So onto my personal observations and a couple of takeaways from the book. I felt it was a bit cluttered. There was a lot of stuff going on. There were 16 chapters and each chapter had these particular subheadings and each was filled with a new idea, a new concept. And there was just so much going on that I felt he could have done a bit of a better job really explaining them one by one or ordering it better. There was also a lot of reliance on these sort of studies which I'm not 100% sure of these evolutionary theories and these one-off studies that make me go, uh, yeah, like I'm not sure how much you can really take out from that one particular example. There were a couple of things that I noticed in myself as well that explained some of my own actions and things that I do. So epistemic modals, for example, is where you'll add something to the start of a sentence. Maybe Jane is pregnant. I think, etc., etc. I'm sure, I'm, I 100% believe this to be true. And the way that I use that interacts with people and gives them more information on my part. And I should probably be thinking a little bit more about, okay, when I'm saying a particular statement, if I had to add a percentage to it, how much would I say it and then use a particular word for that? So maybe slightly, I think, maybe that's only a 40% sort of, I'm sure that it's true, whereas I definitely know this is more 99%. Trust capacity and building as well. Another one of those studies I'm not 100% certain on, but he was talking how 
the people who are actually the best at discerning who to trust in a particular study are actually the type of people who are more trusting in general. And he was saying this is because you build up a capacity for small interactions with people and you get to just have so much more experience that you learn to know, ah, this person's probably being a bit deceitful. This person's not telling the whole truth. Obviously, you need to do that in a way where you can minimize the downside for yourself. So build up trust over time. So trust real willingly at the start with very small things and then filter out the people who break that, obviously, get rid of them. Then the next level of trust, can I trust this person with this sort of thing? filter out. And so you get to this point where you're continually trusting and you're building up these trust pyramids of someone who you might know for 30 years. And it's just, I never need to write a contract with them regarding money. If they give me their word, their word is written in stone, ironclad. The final one for myself was just a reaffirmation of something I already try and implement, which is watch people's actions, not their words. Words are definitely a little bit more slippery, even if actions don't necessarily imply belief they take effect in the real world. So they do have a much more greater impact on me personally and other people than someone just saying something, oh, I'll go to the shops and do that for you. I'll return that favor later is much, much more different than them just actually doing it and seeing how it plays out. So in summary, it's an intellectual book and I'd say you need to have a fair bit of prior knowledge to really get the most out of it. Not only would you need to have the more pop culture observations, so the current gossip, rumor mills, conspiracy theories, but you'd also need to have a fair bit of knowledge about evolutionary theory, of game theory, and even behavioral economics. Hugo brought up some original theories that I hadn't heard before, and it did keep me engaged, but I am somewhat dubious of some of the claims in the book, just because the science and the studies just seem a little bit nascent to me, a little bit too early and too young. However, as a whole, I would definitely agree with his general concept, which is humans really aren't that gullible, that we do have these methods of finding out who's telling the truth, what to believe, and what's useful in the world. And speaking of utility, those takeaways I took from it, I think will help a bit, but it's not going to revolutionize my thinking. I'm not going to become totally different from this book. So in total, I'm giving it a six and a half out of 10 and would recommend it for smart people who are worried about the world and that (laughs) the world's going to be taken over by conspiracy theories and gullible people. So mere mortals, we've come to the end of another book review and I want to thank you for joining me this far. If you'd like to hear more book reviews, hit the follow button on whatever platform it is you're listening on. Or if you want to interact with us, come to our Instagram at mere mortals podcast. Other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world, Kyron out.